Hey everybody, it is Nick Bradley here. First thing to say is, Happy New Year. It's very early 2024, and I am delighted to say that today's episode of Scale Up is going to be a solo episode. Just me, the microphone, and you guys. Now, People have reached out saying, Nick, why did you stop doing the solo episodes? It's not that I've stopped doing the solo episodes. It's just that we had so many guests wanting to come on the show. There was literally a backlog. And a lot of these guests are pretty high profile. They've got amazing stories, amazing insights to share. And I wanted to make sure that I could feature them on the show. So I'll still be doing solo episodes. I'll be doing them when I think there is something that I need to say or educate or help you with. So I'm not just going to do them for the sake of doing them. And what better time of year than the beginning of the year to have an episode that is all about goal setting, business planning, the stuff that I find is crucial in business. Now, today's episode is a little bit inspired by by one of you guys, actually, one of my loyal listeners. So Anthony Gosh sent me a note on LinkedIn and said, Nick, when are you doing an episode on goal setting again? And I said, wait, it's coming and this is it. And it's not that it's not that I kind of every year I want to do an episode on goal setting. I actually did uh, well, I think it was episodes two and three. It's, anyway, it's the first five or so episodes. I actually did two back-to-back episodes of Scale Up Your Business, which is all about a goal-setting framework. And I still use that framework to this day, sort of four to five years later. So there's nothing necessarily new in sort of how I set personal goals. However, I have simplified the process of how I do that in business. And I'm a big believer that complexity fails and simplicity scales. So I want to make sure that as you guys head into the new year, you have some of the latest thinking, some of the latest stuff that I've been using with clients. So you can apply that in your business and and absolutely dominate this year. There's no better time to plan than January or sort of December, right? Ideally, right, this point of time in the year when things are maybe a little bit quieter, You can get out of the office, be that a virtual office, whatever it is, and you can find some headspace to be able to think about your business strategically. I'm also a big believer of momentum in business, and I think that you need to hit the ground running. So that first quarter of the year needs to be focused. You need to have clarity. If you go into that and everything's a bit clouded, you're still thinking about last year, you haven't set any intentions, you certainly haven't set any goals then it makes the whole year harder and it kind of feels like you're always catching up. Okay, so today's episode is, I've called it sort of the the bulletproof, (laughs) bulletproof business plan. But really what I'm going to do is take you through how you get from thinking and strategizing and all of that stuff to a one-page plan, something very, very simple that can be the framework for everything that you execute in 2024. Okay, how does that sound? awesome, I hope. And I hope you get a lot out of this. Now, what I am going to do is have a framework template, if you like, that you can reach out to me and get access to free of charge, right? Just get in touch with me on LinkedIn, ask for that framework, and one of my team will make sure that you get it. Okay, so let's kick this off. I'm going to take you through this step by step, and I'm going to have a few definitions thrown in there. First thing to say is this is not a piece of work that you rush. You can get it done in a day. 
Some of it you can get done in a few hours, but I often say spend a good couple of days really thinking about things, articulating things, writing them down, so you can then simplify things to get to that essence of that one-page plan. Okay, so let's kick it off by talking about strategy. What what is strategy? It gets lots of crazy definitions. I believe that strategy really is the choices that you need to make. Okay, the choices that you need to make versus lots of other options in order to get the outcome that you are seeking. Now, you can strategize your life. You can obviously strategize your business, relationships if you want to, health, fitness goals, they're just simply the choices versus, you know, all the other things you could be doing and what you commit to. Now, I like to think of strategy in three main phases or stages, okay? So the first one is how you plan, and planning is about thinking and analyzing, okay? And then from that, you can make some choices. Then it's about actions, So the things that you actually do, the getting stuff done, okay? So it's great to plan and it's great to strategize, but it means nothing unless you execute, okay? So just listen to that again because a lot of times people, oh, yeah, I've come up with this amazing strategy. I've spent days on it and then they fail in the execution because they think the work is done or actually the hard work is yet to be done and they put it off. They procrastinate, okay? You can't do that. These are three distinct phases, okay? So planning, action, getting stuff done. And the third part is results, okay? Results, outcomes, measuring success, measuring impact, and importantly, celebrating that. And now, sometimes that can be a small thing that you do in a day or a week. It can be something that gets done in a month, a quarter, or obviously a year. But you have to measure and you have to work back from the outcome, the result. So as you're going through this kind of strategic thinking, this business planning, have a think about it in those three phases. And that will make more sense as we go through the rest of this framework today. So a couple of things here, a couple of kind of shout outs. The first shout out is to Dan Sullivan. I've learned a lot of stuff over the years from Dan Sullivan. He's from a business called Strategic Coach, and he's very, very good with simplifying complex things. Now, coming from the world of corporate and private equity, particularly corporate, it can be overly complex. They tend to make it overly complex, if, if I'm honest. But what you need to create in your more entrepreneurial business is not that. Okay, so what I learned from my own personal experience and some of the adaptations from Dan is the best way to think of business planning is visualizing four quadrants on a page. And this is effectively going to be the framework that I share with you later on. Okay, if you want to get a download of it or whatever else. Now, in the top left, we're going to have vision. Okay, nothing particularly radical about vision, but we have to have that. And I'll explain why in a second. In the top right-hand corner, right, think of this as a page, we're going to have goals, okay, goals. In the bottom left, we're going to have projects, and in the bottom right, we're going to have actions. So visualize these four quadrants, if you like, these four boxes on a page. Now, vision, and I'm going to go into each of these in quite a lot of detail. Vision is your 30,000-foot view, as I like to say. 
Okay. And I say, you know, you can go further than this, but the ideal time frame is three years. What do you want your world to look like, your business to look like in very clear detail in three years time? Sometimes people challenge me and go, oh, what about five years, 10 years, 20 years? Yes, you can do that. But I find the further you go out, particularly with a business vision, it becomes difficult for people to uh, ground and then deliver. Right now, there are different definitions of vision. Your vision should be this thing that you never achieve. It should be, you know, this impossible thing that you're always going. I tend to like to think of it as the future that you want to create over a defined time frame. That's my view. Now, the best resource, in my opinion, that you can look into to help with this is Vivid Vision, the book, the concept by Cameron Herald. He's been on the podcast before. He talked about this. It's a very, very deep dive into articulating what you want your business to look like. I'll go through some of that now, but I do suggest you read the book or listen to the audio book because it's the the detail in it that makes the difference. And this is not just a small piece of work. Going away and crafting your vivid vision for your business can take certainly days, if not weeks, because you come back to it. But what's in it? Well, first and foremost, you've got to have purpose. Okay, you've got to have purpose. Sometimes you'll have what's called a BHAG, a, you know, a big, hairy, audacious goal. Okay, then you'll have your core values, the way you do things. Okay, they're, they're kind of like the bare minimum. And then you'll start to get into your, your, your 12-month goals for the, for the coming year. But I'll go through what I've got for my business. So my business is high-value exit. Our purpose, right, often sometimes called mission, but our purpose is we exist to help entrepreneurs and business owners build high-value, exitable companies so they can achieve wealth, personal freedom, and live exceptional lives. Why does that matter? Well, in my opinion, again, my view, a high-value business is one that creates freedom, whether it is sold or not, okay? And underneath that, 10% of all businesses fail to create meaningful meaningful scale, and even fewer of those ever achieve a successful exit, Right? meaning that lots of entrepreneurs, lots of business owners, lots of you listening to this show live in what I call the grind, right? Where you've got stress, you've got day-to-day challenges, you're tied to your business, and that's preventing you from scaling your business, but it's also preventing you from living life on your terms, okay? Underneath that, I believe also in leveling the playing field when it does come time to sell your business, Talked a lot about this previously, about how the private equity firms, sophisticated buyers, how you could be the prize or the prey. I believe, and my company exists to help to level that playing field. Okay, so I'm not going to go through all of my vivid vision, but I'll go through the various points. But I just wanted to give you a flavor of what that looks like. Okay, core values, super important. As I said, it's the way that you do stuff. It's the way that people operate within your business. It's also how you hire and fire. It's how you set standards. Okay, but underneath that, some of the areas that Cameron will talk about when you listen to the book or read the book is how do you want to define your company culture? How do you want your client relationships to be? How do you want your brand to be viewed and recognized? What's your marketing strategy? How do you do marketing in your business? What's your sales philosophy? You know, our approach, right, is very much about, you know, no, no cold calling, high pressure sales te- tactics, none of that stuff. Ours is, ours is about, you know, helping first, right, value first. That's what we believe in. And if we can help someone, we will. If we can't, we'll try and, you know, point them in a direction where they can get the best help for them. That's our philosophy, 
Okay. Products and solutions, obviously the things that you sell, the, the various services and, and solutions from that. Operational excellence, how delivery is done in your business. Finances. Sometimes I like to put something like community impact. You know, if you have a bigger philanthropic part of your vision, that's important to add in here. And then I like to also put in what it's called a founder's reflection. So if I'm looking back from three years out and going, wow, you know, this is what I've created. This is how I've helped people. This is how I've allowed people to be employed and how they have developed and grown within the business. I like to be able to put that there as well. So this document ends up being, if you, if you do the vivid vision perfectly, uh, it ends up being somewhere between probably three to five pages of you very, very clearly articulating what your business is going to look like in three years time. Now, you might be saying, Nick, well, hold on, back to this quadrant thing. In the top left, I've only got like a box, a small box. How do I do that? Well, you summarize it, right? You summarize it. So so in mine, when I've done this, I have that purpose. I have what we believe. I have our values. And I have our kind of immediate milestones for the next three years, our financial milestones of what the business will look like when we get to that point in time. Now, if you are listening to this as intended at the beginning of 2024, you have the year 2024, the year 2025, and the year 2026 to be thinking about. So we're, we're crafting the vivid vision looking back from December 2026, okay? And it works brilliantly uh, in terms of you being able to communicate and galvanize your team be behind this kind of North Star. It also works well if you want to do this for your personal life. Okay, and a lot of people use vision boards and stuff like that in their personal life, and they work well if it's just you. But the problem with a picture, and Cameron talks about this in the book, is a picture is a thousand words, right? So your, uh, if you just put pictures up and say that's where we want to get to, your translation or interpretation of that picture is going to be fundamentally different to what someone else sees. So this document, this vivid vision, is something that needs to be written down. It needs to be something that is clear that if someone reads, you know, what your marketing approach is within your business, they get it 100%. Okay? So that's the first piece. If you haven't done this, I'd, I'd almost argue that this is probably more important than the business plan. Because again, it, it, everything flows and stems from being clear on what your business vision is. Okay? So that's the top left. Now to the top right. So this is where we set goals and this is over the next 12 months. So this is effectively the, the, the meat, if you like, of your 2024 plan. And we're not at 30,000 feet right now. We've kind of come down a little bit, maybe 20,000 feet. So we're starting to see a little bit more of the granularity here. But I like to look at this through a couple of different lenses and I'll go through those now. And we are going to break these down into kind of literally goals by those two lenses. Now, when we set goals, you would have heard this previously, we always look at them to be smart, right? Specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, time bound. Okay. And the reason for that also is that a lot of these kind of higher level business goals for the next 12 months will become your team's personal objectives or OKRs. So you have to have a sense of time bounding them and a sense of measurement back to success and metrics so we know that when they've been achieved. So how do we start this part of the process? You've created your, your vivid vision. This part of the process, we start with reflection. And this is the bit that everyone hates because this is looking back over the last 12 months and asking yourself the question, what worked well, what didn't work well, and why? 
did that happen? So a lot of people don't like this bit because they look back and they realize actually they didn't plan well enough or they didn't execute well enough or they weren't clear on their results, okay? But it's an important piece, particularly if you have a vision because the vision is always going to be the thing that you're measuring back against. But you have to look at how did you execute? What happened? Did you not have the right people in place? Was the goal too big for where you were at that particular time? Okay, but it's important because the way I like to think of this is if you set meaningful, challenging goals, you're not going to always hit them exactly as you expected. Right. If you go to Google, they used to have this concept called the moonshot where they would ask all their team to set goals that were 70 percent. I think this is right. 70 percent likely to be achieved. But they were such big, audacious goals that 70 percent was still a stunning performance. I kind of don't like it so much because I do like the idea of actually achieving something and ticking it off. But I get the idea that you need to think bigger. So the idea here is to be realistic. That's why I like the smart concept. But at the same time, right, you have to understand where you've come from to know where you want to go. Okay, so that's the first part of this quadrant, reflection on the last 12 months. The next thing I advise is starting to look external. Most business owners, particularly the ones who are involved in small businesses who haven't had a background in corporate or private equity like me, they don't tend to look externally enough. And we need to understand the market that we're operating in. We need to understand the competitive intensity. We need to look at factors that could help us or hinder us. So there's a few things here that I I often advise when I work with clients. One is always do a swap. It gets a bad rap sometimes as not being particularly useful. But you know what? I think it really is because it's just another framework, another tool, if you like, that can help you answer certain questions about where you are with your business. So a SWOT, if you haven't heard of it, is it's another quadrant, actually. But you have strengths and weaknesses. So strengths is one, one part of the quadrant. Weaknesses is the other. And then you have opportunities and threats. And I like to look at this through the through the lens again, yet that strengths are the things that are, you know, your internal strengths, your internal weaknesses, and opportunities and threats tend to be a bit more external, okay? And what you'll find is, and you can do this with a team if you like, it's quite fun to do this on a strategy day, but you start to highlight the things that you think are absolute core competencies in your business. Then you list the things that are not as strong, the things that you need to potentially improve on. Then you look at kind of all the things that are happening that you could do to, you know, move you closer towards that vision, okay? And then you look at the threats, things that are going to hit you. That could be macro environment, things like interest rates, etc. But I love SWOT because I like the simplicity of it. A couple of others to have a look at. One is Porter's Five Forces, and this is a little bit more academic, so I don't recommend it as much. But this is where he looks at five different things. He looks at industry competition, uh, threat of new entrants into your industry, the power of your suppliers, and the power of your customers. Okay, so if you're over-reliant on any one customer, then that's a risk. And also things like substitute products for your current product or service mix. Where this is interesting to me, certainly in my private equity days, is when we were doing due diligence on companies, we would often look at the business through the lens of something like this, particularly if we were looking at things like competition or if you have a relationship with a supplier that is crucial that if that's not locked down and I try and acquire your company, then there's a risk there that I'm going to have a big problem if they decide to move their business elsewhere. So it's it's good to get ahead of this stuff, particularly if you're also building your business to an exit. And then the last one is called PESL. 
which actually stands for Political, Economical, Sociological, Technological, Legal and Environment. And this is another framework, another quite academic framework that allows you just to look at kind of what's happening in that macro environment. So if you're in the US, you've got an election coming up this year, there might be a little bit more political instability because of that. Then again, at least you've thought it through. So the whole idea with this second piece is not to get confused. It's really just to spend some time writing down, journaling all of the external factors that could firstly affect you achieving your plan for the next 12 months, but also could affect the vision, the thing that you're moving towards. Okay, now I should have said this with vision and and this goals piece, so the the top half, if you like, of, of what we're building. The vision stays the same for three years, but the goals that you're building is the pathway to that. So you should be looking at these goals and also looking back at the vision you've created and saying, actually, the goals that I set here are moving me towards that three-year vision. Now, you can't do everything at once. So this is one part of, you know, literally three years of you setting these types of um, actions, initiatives that you want to achieve. Okay, so we've done reflection on the last 12 months. We've done that external perspective. This is where I like to split, if you like, the uh, goals into two separate categories. The first category is what I call operational drivers. So this is what drives your business today. And the second list, the second set of goals, is what I like to call strategic initiatives, which are the things that build your business for tomorrow. Now, let me articulate the breakdown. There are things that you have to do today that if you don't do them today, your business is not going to grow, okay? There are things that you probably still need to do now, right, today or certainly in in the next quarter, but they're not going to give you a immediate benefit, but they're building value in your business over time. You're just not going to see it from day one. And so the way to look at this is, If you've got a number of goals that are part of your today stuff, your operational drivers, you'll end up with a maximum, usually a maximum of around uh, three to five operational drivers, operational goals. And then you'll have three to five strategic initiatives on the other list. And I'm going to go through what this looks like now just so it's not too confusing. So I like to look at operational drivers through three things. Firstly, I like to look at the the customer journey in stages. So how are we driving visibility and awareness? What's our core message? What's our secondary message that we're putting out there, say, on social media or or advertising? What are we doing around leads? How are we driving leads? How are we getting data, like someone's email address, and what are we giving away in exchange? What value are we giving away in exchange for that? Then conversion, how are we driving sales and revenue? What's our sales philosophy? Like I spoke about previously with the Vivid Vision, what's our pricing, right? What's our thinking around retention? Are we building a membership? Are we building a loyalty program? Are we driving you know, anything that impacts repeat purchase or recurring revenue? And then lastly, you know, what are we doing about advocacy, that ongoing relationship? You know, is there a referral program that we want to build? How are we measuring lifetime value? So the thing here with those five pieces of the customer journey, which again, this is not my stuff. You can look at, you can Google customer journey stages. It's pretty straightforward. You've got to have someone who firstly is not aware of you, becomes aware of you. Then you have to be able to get them to show interest in your business, which is how you generate a lead. Then you need to sell them something. Then you need to think about what happens after that. But my view here is that you have to have metrics and analysis 
all the way through. Okay, so this is this is going to dictate your, your marketing strategy. It's going to dictate your sales strategy. All of that stuff comes into this area, okay, because it's really how you drive revenue. Notice at this stage, I'm not driving profitability. I'm more focused in the top line. And this may sound a bit crazy coming from the private equity guy, but as much as the business value is always, in my opinion, dictated by the profit, right, you know, what you make from the business, if you don't have strong plans, strategies, goals around revenue, you're never going to make profit, right? So revenue in many cases comes first because, you know, you can make profit from revenue, but you can't make revenue, you can't make revenue um, from, you know, so you can make profit from revenue, but you can't make revenue from profit, okay? So if you're focusing too much on profit, then you get yourself into a situation where if you're not selling anything, you ain't got any profit anyway, Okay. So then we move into delivery. So if that first part is the customer journey, so we're still under operational drivers, we're now thinking about delivery. And I like to look at this in three areas. So this is where we have the product or the solution, the thing we sell, and ideally some form of ascension model where it becomes easy to buy at the beginning, but over time, you know, you build a deeper relationship, you can sell them a different type of solution, which builds that ongoing relationship with your client or customer. Then you have your core processes, which is effectively how you do things, and they should be documented, they should be automated where they can. And then you have your people plan. So what's the overall capability? What are the behaviors that we need? I love the concept of who, not how here, right? Super, super important sort of stuff. Again, another Dan Sullivan play. But you know, if you've got a gap, right, when you're starting to look at these goals and the vision of your business and you've got a gap, it's best to think who, not how, which simply means I'm not the one who's going to do it but someone out there can, and my job is to find them and bring them into my business as efficiently as possible. And then the last part, so if we've got the customer journey, we've got the, the core parts of delivery, the last part is how you actually make money. And this is where profit does come into it, so the economics. Now, I remember in private equity, we had different thresholds of what we like to see here in terms of gross margin and net profit. It's so different across every, every business and every industry that you just have to set targets and thresholds that align with your industry, but also align with your own personal goals, okay? So if I break this down, what are we gonna get at the end, right? So we've got these operational drivers. What drives your business today? You're gonna have goals around the customer journey, right? How you get leads, how you build awareness, uh, all that stuff. Then you're gonna have some goals about how you deliver that, right? The sort of people and capability you need. I often say, in a business that's trying to do something, there's two or three people gaps that need to be understood. They might be key hires, okay? So that they're going to fit into your op, into your operational driver goals for the year. And then how you make money is going to be, you know, any sort of targets you have around that profit margin, gross margin, that sort of thing, okay? That is one list that sits in the top right of this quadrant under goals. Now we move on to strategic initiatives. I mentioned a second ago that this is about what your business needs to do for tomorrow. Okay, Remember, we're building towards that vision. So in order to do this correctly, you have to identify what stage you're at. Now, most of the people listening to this are in scale-up phase. They might be in value expansion or planning for exit. But if you're in startup, which is the very beginning, then you have to acknowledge that there are different characteristics. So are you starting up the business? Are you scaling up the business? Are you trying to expand the value of the business? Or are you trying to exit the business? Because that's going to help inform what initiatives sit on this set of, of goals. Now. 
what could be here? Well, I like to think of strategic initiatives that are areas in your business that have a compounding, potentially exponential effect in your business. So these can be investments in your brand. So there's a difference between brands and and marketing, okay? And you might say, well, they're, they're kind of the same thing. Well, they're not really. So marketing, in my view, is, is really about more direct response activity, how you drive leads, how you manage the customers through a process, how do you sell, right? That's, that's going to drive cash today. Brand was always explained to me as something that, takes time to heat up. It's like the oven that like that takes time to heat up, but when it's hot, it drives a lot of value. Whereas direct response marketing is like the microwave. You know, you can zap it and you get an immediate response. So if you want to build your brands, that can be a strategic initiative, but it's going to take time. It may not give you a financial benefit back today, but it will in the future. Similarly, culture, right? Culture drives everything, right? But it's one of those things that you have to build over time. You can have values on the wall of the HQ that you're in, but you have to be able to embed those through, you know, really strong HR processes and things like that. So they take time, they're strategic initiatives. Partnerships and M&A, huge, huge in my world, particularly when you're in scaling mode, because, you know, one strategic partnership could also be your exit. So if you want to, you know, go out there and build strategic partnerships, or you want to go out there and buy other businesses and bolt them onto your company, these are all strategic things. So you might say, you know, for this year, we've got all these goals that are going to drive the immediate business, but we also want to buy at least one of our suppliers or at least one of our competitors. And if we do that, that's going to have a compounding effect even on our day-to-day operational initiatives. Okay. And then the last thing I like to look at here is, you know, how are you building value? How are you building an asset in your business that is transferable? It's on your terms, even if you have no immediate plans to sell it. So you might not have a vision to sell your business in three years, like it may not be part of that vivid vision, but you should always be building your business to exit, particularly when you're in the stages post-startup. So the scale up, the value expansion, the exit stages. I would also say that, you know, even in startup mode, you should be thinking about what the business needs to be like to exit it in the future, because it's one of those things that I heard this said recently, that the best time to start exit planning is the day you start your business right? The next best time is now, right? So it's one of those kind of things that you should always be thinking about where value sits and how you build the highest amount of value and that that highest amount of transferability. Okay, so what we've got there, this is quite a meaty piece. As I said from the outset, this is something you can't rush. You're going to end up with two sets of goals. You're going to have the operational drivers and you're going to have the strategic initiatives three to five in each. Sometimes you can put a little bit more in there. I've seen up to seven, but it starts to get a little bit unwieldy. But what you've got there now, right, is you've got a clear set of goals aligned to your three-year vision that you need to execute against, right, put actions against to drive the results that you've also indicated. So we're going to have time bound, right? We're going to have metrics around them so we know when they're achieved, And we're going to have them spread, if you like, all the way through the year. So not all of these are going to sit in Q1. Some of them you may not even start until Q2 or Q3. Some of them are going to be smaller things, but important things that you actually do deliver, you know, very, very early in the next 12 months as part of your business plan. Okay. So that's the, that's the hub. By the way, good news. That was the hardest part, right? (laughs) Vision's hard, but that part there getting into the detail, the external stuff, that's hard. Okay, now, bottom left, 
Now that you've done all of that more challenging work at the top, right? You know, you've definitely gone out there and thought about your business. The bottom left part of the plan is the projects, right? This is the next 90 days. And here you want to get super disciplined, right? Super disciplined. What are the five things in each of those categories, so operational drivers, strategic initiatives, that I will get done? In other words, will be completed in the next 90 days. So they're going to be Q1 projects. Okay, what I like to do here is buy a massive wall calendar and put in deadlines, targets and milestones. So it's visible literally on the wall in my office. But you don't have to put a heap of detail around this yet. Okay, this is where execution starts to happen. But we want to basically work out firstly, what are those projects that are going to align to the 12 month goals that are going to move me towards that three year vision? And you list them out. So give you an example. I've got a book coming out. So one of the goals, this is kind of more of a strategic initiative for me in 2024. My book is called Exit for Millions, and it's going to launch in May 2024. So that's a Q2, Q2 goal. Okay, so I've got the, I've got the name, I've got the timing, et cetera, et cetera. So in order for that to happen, right, so that's Q2, what do I need to do in the next 90 days? Well, we need to complete the final book copy edit. Okay, so I've already written it, but I need it to kind of go through its kind of stage of editing, certainly over the first four weeks of the year. Otherwise, I've got no chance of hitting that timing. Okay, so that becomes a project. All right, and then you build that out across all of it. Now, remember, you have to be disciplined. You can't have a project that aligns always to every single goal that you've set. So you have to prioritize what comes first. And sometimes certain goals can only be achieved if another goal has been done beforehand. Okay, so an important distinction there too. Okay, so that's what sits in the bottom left. And then in the bottom right, my favorite piece is actions. What you're going to do literally this week. You can extend that to the month, but I like the week. The week for me focuses the mind. So if I've got a number of projects that have to be achieved in the next 90 days, what do I need to do this week to make sure that they get done? And one of the things, there's a guy called Tacky Moore who also, I think, did some work with Dan Sullivan, talked about this when I was listening to his YouTube channel. In that bottom right quadrant, he would have this up on a board, but he'd have like post-it notes so that, you know, you, you literally have like for one week, you have a post-it note that says, here are all the actions that need to be completed this week. And then instead of just rewriting that every week, you put a new post-it note on top of it and another and another. And then over the course of, you know, the next 90 days, you're going to have effectively 12 of these post-it notes stuck there, which shows you all of the actions, all of the work that you've done to move you towards, obviously, the ultimate goals and the ultimate vision. Okay, so so that's how it looks. I'm going to pause there because this has ended up being a lot longer podcast episode than I expected it to be. But hopefully it's a lot of value for you. This is, this is how you build that bulletproof business plan. But just to simplify this or to go through it, right? So you've got this one-page plan now, okay? Top left vision, top right goals, bottom left projects, bottom right actions, okay? And even though behind it, there are more detailed documents, certainly the vivid vision as we spoke about, but what you have got now is a very, very simple way of articulating what, you know, you're going to focus on, right? And what you're going to deliver in the next period of time. So, you know, I'll I'll finish off by saying a couple of things here. Business planning can be overly complex, too complex. And there are things here 
that you might say, God, you know, I need to listen to this two or three times to get it. But the ultimate goal of doing the work, you know, that two days of really thinking about your business so that you can move forward is is that you want to get as clear as possible. You want to make things as simple as possible so you can have an outstanding year. Okay, if you don't do the work and you're clouded and shiny objects come flying in and opportunities, you won't know what to say yes or no to and then you'll get overwhelmed and then you'll need to go and hire someone to help you become un-overwhelmed. Un <laughs> you get it, to get clear, right? And it's better off to start with that focus from the outset. So watch outs as you go through this process. Firstly, lack of clarity, like just not being clear. Before you write anything down into the into this into this plan, into this framework, get clear. Other watch outs, setting unrealistic goals, uh, not having the resources, not identifying what resources you need. Uh, sometimes there's a lack of alignment, so you can create this work independently, but your key people in your business aren't involved, so they feel like they're detached. That's not cool. Sometimes it's best to do this as a team. Uh, lack of information to make decisions. That's why that external validation piece is so critical. Uh, conflicting priorities. In other words, you've got things that are kind of don't align with other things, and, and that means that actually there's confusion. Not cool. And then the other one is shifting the goalposts. Like, you know, that's what I mentioned before about the, the shiny object syndrome. If, you, if you're going to change things around because something new comes in, you've got to have a good reason for doing that. It's not just add and add and add because then you'll end up with the opposite of a simple plan. Now, if you need any help with this, of course, please get in touch, right? We do run workshops on this where we can literally take you through what I covered today in much more detail and bespoke to your business, okay? So I do that with businesses all the time. We can do it virtually, we can do it live, and we can do that with your team. So, so get in touch if you need help with this because sometimes it's good to have someone independent challenging you and helping you shape your plan. And as I mentioned at the beginning, if you want simply want my one-page business plan framework for 2024, absolutely free, send me a message on LinkedIn and my team will get that for you just so you can kind of see what these, these four quadrants look like and, and how simple the plan is, okay? That is it. I hope that's useful. I'm sure it is. I'm sure for many of you, this is going to help with clarity, focus, simplicity. Have a brilliant 2024. I hope it is an amazing year for you. I know there are many opportunities out there right now. The markets are starting to improve. In my world of kind of building valuable businesses and scaling and exiting, there's a heap of opportunity on the horizon and I'm super encouraged about what the year is going to bring for all of us. To finish up, as I always say on my solo episodes, be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. Bye for now. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you enjoy the show just as much as I enjoy creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me. It helps the show. Plus, it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything you heard in today's show, or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.